everyone, welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, Bobo episode. <laughs> I can't work with this. It's Bobo episode. Look, they've gone rid of Leo, Leo Kruger's gimmick on NXT. I thought that I would keep it alive. Um, His gimmick of saying Bobo. <laughs> Bobo Dallas. You, you, you have greatly exaggerated his gimmick. <laughs> They're laughing at you, bonus episode, which is SmackDown, the pilot edition. Uh, we had originally decided, we had said, um, in lieu of Over the Edge, we were going to do kind of an episode within an episode at the start of our, our next full episode, which would be King of the Ring. But, you know, to explain storylines, Vince Russo's changing things up quite a bit on an ad hoc basis. However, I just realized SmackDown, right after, right after Backlash, we had the SmackDown one-off pilot uh, special on UPN. So we're going to review that now. Uh, hello, everyone, once again, I'm Kevin Mahan. Joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First of all, Mr. Adam Bibolo. How's things, Adam? Great, thank you, Kevin. How are you? I'm I'm fine and dandy, like so much sour candy. Looking forward to talking about the first ever episode of SmackDown. Oh yeah, I got a lot to say about this one. You a uh, big fan of that uh, opening music? Oh man, Yes. How how did Jim Johnson come up with that gold mine right Whatever there? goes on in that mind of his. Smashing his head against the keyboard, probably. Do you think it's actually him who did the Uriwara Uduwaz? Like that's his that. voice. That's 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 gonna drive me insane now thinking of that. Needless to say, the man to my right. No, he's not sitting to my right, but I like to they don't need to know. They don't need to know that. Uh, Mr. Billy Keeble, hello Billy. Hello. How's things? Pretty good. Looking forward to talking about a bit of SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. I, I When I was watching uh, WWE back in sort of 2006, 2007, SmackDown was, was my favourite of the of the two brands. Billy Keeble's blood is, is blue, uh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> as blue I'm as Fit Finley's, you know? <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, it's time to get into it. It is the Outer Podcast, and we're looking back at the first ever episode of SmackDown. The Rock has but one problem, and that problem is Shane McMahon. You better take your attitude out of my face if you smell what the boss is cooking. The Rock is down. Shane McMahon directing traffic. Shane McMahon took it for Rock. The Rock says tonight you will come down and face a great one, one on one. You want me, Rock? You got it tonight. This may be one of the shorter matches in the Ooh. Rock's career. It's a British posse. He gets. Where to, Stephanie? Stephanie McMahon has been abducted by The Undertaker. How's Stephanie? She's real fine. I brought everything. You got controlling interest. You got it signed, sealed. Vince, I want Steve Austin to bring them to me. What? Alone. Vince McMahon needs Steve Austin. Stone Cold needs Vince McMahon to kiss his ass. The Undertaker and the Ministry have brought Stephanie McMahon to the ring strapped to that symbol. I am not to blame for what is about to happen here. I now pronounce you as the unholy union of darkness. You may now kiss your bride. Here it comes. Don't call him the Undertaker. Going toe to toe. Austin, fight for all he's got. A ceremony. 
Brady's over. He didn't do it for the love of Vince McMahon. He just did it because it was right. The black wedding has ended. Vince McMahon reunited with his daughter Stephanie. Thanks to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, so SmackDown came around in 1999. This was kind of a, a bit of a, a test run, so to speak. And the idea was that they wanted to add a new program. Uh, WCW obviously had Thunder, which was going out. And it was just like a, an arms race between the two groups. Yeah. They have more programming, we'll have more programming. So in addition to Sunday Night Heat and the monthly pay-per-view and two hours of Raw... We now are going to be having SmackDown, uh, which was going to be another two-hour show. It didn't become a weekly show until the towards the end of '99. This is kind of the trial run, and they ran it on, on UPN. Interestingly enough, the heavy burden of additional programming for the writing staff was one of the reasons why Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira said they were actually going to leave. Oh, really? Because they were expected to write two more hours of TV mm. for yeah. free. <laughs> they, yeah. didn't get a, they didn't get a pay no rise. rise. I suppose that's fair enough. And I mean, uh, not to get too much into it now, because obviously when Russo leaves, we can have a proper big old, old chat about it. But uh, I think that those guys, you know, the pay scale, considering how much work they did... I'm not saying they're like solely responsible for the attitude era, but they were, you know, but they're big players and they didn't yeah. get the uh, the pay package to yeah. reflect that. Here we go, it's SmackDown. Notice we got the blue lights, yeah. you know, fancy logo, Jim Red Cor- ropes. Red ropes. <laughs> Red ropes and a mat that doesn't say SmackDown on the apron. Uh, was this last minute where the blue ropes left somewhere else? I just think that obviously they hadn't thought through the whole branding at this point, clearly. What, what the stage though? The I stage mean, is all blue, but everything else is just a regular show. The graphics were all ready to go as well. It looks we, like a live show, to we, be honest we with did, you. We did get the, uh, you know the cool Smackdown opener you yeah. know, with the quick cuts and all that so it's odd that they did that but we didn't get anything else for really Smackdown. left them at home so we get our intro there a lot of changes since Backlash 1999 first and foremost The Rock has been kicked out of the corporation in addition to a couple of other guys basically if you were a face and in the corporation you're, you're done and dusted now mm. Young Shane has streamlined the corporation it made sense of course for them to start you know maybe Calling off some people from the corporation. Because number one, we could tell from Backlash, people love The Rock. It was the time for yeah. it to, yeah. to be changed. And also, Triple H and The Rock in the same group. No thanks. No thanks. No. Uh, definitely did not work. I'll get a little recap there of where to Stephanie. Still makes me laugh. <laughs> Every of, time. Of course, because Stephanie's been kidnapped. Vince needs Stone Cold to save Stephanie. But Stone Cold says he needs Vince McMahon to kiss his ass. <laughs> A smart man, Steve Austin. Yeah. Classic Steve Austin there. So we started off, it's Mickey C and Jimmy C. The C-Boys are our commentators. Come on. Tonight. The C-Boys. Because they, their surnames start with C. Better than the C-section, which is what my... <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Jim Cornette, big fan of Jimmy C. Uh, mm. You know, Cornette is one of my all-time favourites. Commentary is kind of reserved for most of the night, Commentary's though. pretty yeah. decent, actually, for you Michael know, Cole standards especially. Very inoffensive. There was nothing... I don't think I noticed anything throughout the night where they've made some glaring errors. It's one of those times when you can... Because re- the pace of this show is so relentless, you can really tell it's taped. Like, mm. you know, it's, it's you know, guys in the ring and then before he even turns around, the other guy's already yeah. halfway out. Like, it runs through at a, a rapid-fire pace. And that's why I think we're not going to be going to do Match of the Night or MVP tonight. Not really suitable. Ma- mainly because the, we were, at one point we were watching this and kind of going, huh, there's like eight matches to go and we have like, you know, an hour left. The matches know? aren't matches. It's more story than anything. Else, yeah. Exactly, so I don't think it's, it's fair to really judge it on that. Opening us up here, Vincent Stephanie come out. I'm extremely proud to stand before you here tonight, and even more proud to be standing next to my daughter Stephanie. However, I'm proud of a lot of my personal accomplishments, but not so proud of some of my business ones. 
and I'd like to address that. And you're right, I have been that. Yes, I have been that, and hopefully, hopefully I can change. Vince McMahon, who's now the, uh, playing the part of doting father, and uh, not not really evil at all, it yeah, seems. he's quite the face here. Comes out uh, talking about how uh, Austin, you know, it came to Stephanie's rescue, the Black Wedding, which we discussed in our Backlash 99 episode. At one point, Michael Cole pointing out that Austin staved Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I take back what I said before, then. <laughs> it's, it's, it, he does nowhere near as much not as a pay-per-view. As Vince admits to being an asshole, and he's kind of like, yes, I am that... You know, and that people, word. people are kind of like, what, do you want us to start chanting asshole? Can yeah. you be more clear? And then he kind of, you know, teases them a little bit and they finally start chanting asshole. And he's like, yes, that's what that's what you're, <laughs> you've called me before. I have been one. He, he admits that he's a little bit ruthless, understatement of the year. A little bit ruthless. I've been a bit of a stinker, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I may have stepped on some toes and I may have crushed some as well. <laughs> um, humble Vince. Something not right about this, no, guys. Doesn't doesn't sit right to me. He begins basically thanking all the people who helped out over the course of the last few weeks. First of all, the world's most loyalist man, Ken Shamrock, mm. obviously for saving Stephanie and attempting to save her at the Black Wedding. He thanks the Big Show, who he says has a heart as big as his 500-pound body. So he's so, all heart. He's all heart. All heart. I mean, I'm not. I mean, this is obviously before they knew about the dangers of enlarged hearts, I suppose. <laughs> but I mean, the big heart, Paul White. <laughs> and he also thanks unreservedly Stone Cold Steve Austin, which then brings us to uh, one of the more awkward moments we've had on the podcast yeah. so far. Stephanie is given the microphone. I would also like to personally thank Ken Shamrock. The Big Show, and most importantly, Stone Cold Steve Austin for helping me with The Undertaker on Monday night. I was taken against my will, stripped of my clothes, and dressed, and dressed in a black gown for an unholy wedding. And I have never felt so powerless and violated in all my life. The Undertaker, he kept, he kept touching me. And whispering in my ears that I was his. And there was nothing I could do about it. So Steve, I'd just like to say, from the bottom of my heart and my soul, for whatever reason you did it, thank you. I will never forget what you did for me. An undertaker, I hope you burn in hell. And she too wants to thank Ken Shamrock and, and then the thank show. The Big Show and yeah. then thank Stone Cold Steve Austin. She really doesn't say anything. She's she, not selling the thanks. Well, I will say what she does say. She goes into some detail about the ordeal she was put through and the way the crowd react is yeah. a little bit mm. attitude era for my liking. First and foremost, The Undertaker stripped me of my dignity and stripped me of my clothes and Vince is so fucking turned on at this point. (laughs) He's kind of going, whoa, wait a minute. They didn't know know it was a sexy kidnapping. (laughs) Did did you notice the way, though, it really creeped me out, the way that Stephanie was looking at Vince? 
She was looking very sort of adoringly, but too adoringly. Mm. It looked very Let's weird. A bit, a bit of Freud this. going on there. Steph mm. goes, The Undertaker, he kept whispering things in my ear, saying how I was his. And he also, he kept touching me. Ah. At which point the crowd go, Big, Biggest pop of the night. <laughs> I mean, oh, come on. First geez. of all, you shouldn't have had Stephanie been kind of like, Boy, guys, what an ordeal I've been through. That was a close shave. I mean, if that was a shoot kidnapping, she'd be at home in bed. Like, you she mean, would. You wouldn't be out there kind of going, boy, what a... Cra- Did you see my hair? I she was, got over it pretty quick, didn't she? It was it was them, I think, giving the audience far too much credit and yeah. giving the crowd kind yeah. of going, yeah, the audience is interested in this young woman. They're not. They're just being creeps. Like, And that's, I suppose, a problem with the edit there is that you can't have a, a, a female character, it seems, to be taken seriously by the audience. No. Even, like, Stephanie has been positioned to be nothing but this sweet, innocent girl who's been put through an ordeal and doesn't make a like, difference. Yeah. We don't get a show your puppies chant, at least. We get Thank a sign, Christ. though. We get a show me your puppies sign as soon as she gets the mic. Oh, for fuck's sake. Unbelievable. She says that she wants the Undertaker to burn in hell. That's reasonable, after what she's been through. I suppose. He did keep touching her in fairness. Shane O'Mac comes out, and he starts shutting Vince's butt right down. Uh, <laughs> he shuts him down. He jams him up good. He says, rat's ass. I'd say a good eight times in this. Yeah. Easily. He, and then Vince Easily. says rat's ass and uh, basically Shane is kind of like again playing this whole oh you want to be like you want to play super dad get out of here I've got real business to do so Shane says he wants The Rock and Austin tonight because they've been thorns in his side and he wants them to team up and he's looking for uh, for volunteers so Shane's like he's looking for volunteers and Triple H is there like pointing at himself going this guy right here huh? I'm gonna basically take on. Shane I think I should be in the tag <laughs> I think I should win tonight actually <laughs> wait, 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 he mentions The Rock he says The Rock I mean you can just see Triple H just lean over and go The Croc <laughs> they have a good laugh at each other yeah but um, the Triple H is the first tag team partner obviously and Shane goes so who else wants to fight The Rock and Austin do I have any other takers and basically oh. winks into the camera then the lights all go off and the Titantron comes on with Undertaker's music. And what we see is Till from Battlefield Earth. And we have this terrible Dutch tilt angle and the Undertaker in blue lighting basically going, while you were still learning to spell your name. <laughs> it's hideous. I can't tell if it was the camera tilt or if it was, if it was Taker's head. Because tilting your head doesn't make you look evil. No, no, it and literally was, it was John Travolta from Battlefield it, Earth. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Booger Red himself there talking about how uh, he's going to have another 50 tag matches with endless options for renewal. Endless options for renewal. Endless options for renewal. <laughs> Undertaker, I mean, Again, I'm still firmly in the camp that I think that, you know, the whole idea and the whole concept is is cool. I like the evil, evil Undertaker, but they keep putting him in these situations where he looks like a dork. I I understand why you're always so keen to defend the Undertaker and everything, but I think, I I don't know about you, Billy, but I mean, we were in agreement about this before. I think Undertaker is easily one of the lamest characters on the show at the minute. He makes me cringe every time he's he's on screen. He dropped the ball, like, so much. Seriously. It's a new Botchamania segment. Undertaker talks too much. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Dyes his hair too much as well. He dyes his eyebrows in this episode of SmackDown. He's got the evil pointy eyebrows now, and that's uh, that's, that's something else. So basically, it's been set. Undertaker and Triple H are going to be teaming up to take on the mega a dream team of The Rock and Stunkle Steve Austin in the main event. Double J is seen walking backstage and we get a quick sighting of the blue blazer who with the five seconds on camera manages to go woo! <laughs> Love that guy. Amazing. So our first contest tonight is going to be Val Venus taking on Jeff Jarrett 
Uh, Val licks his thumb uh, quite a... Uh, I think yeah. we were playing this game because we've always been obsessed with the Val licking the thumb thing. A little too obsessed. A little too obsessed. They they replicated creepily accurately in, uh, in the video game. WWE 13. But uh, he's starting to do it now, the whole the lick the, the yeah. thumb business. And he came out, he did one lick. Yeah. And another. I just, sorry, it's making and me very uneasy talking about this. Val, Val, Val Venus licking his own thumb and then raising his eyebrows. We all know what You know what this is. This yeah. is symbolic. Is this symbolic? <laughs> is, this, is this symbolic? But uh, it's great because you can't. It's almost like a drinking game because it's like, will Val do another? Like, will he do another? Can one? he fit one more? Can in? he fit one more in? Yeah. It's like a guy who's been secretly filmed picking his nose. Right? <laughs> like, you're watching it. Like, is he oh, going to go for another? Oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll go another one there. Like another rude arrange. Val has been targeted recently by uh, Nicole Bass. Who looks like she's been shot in the face by Homer Simpson's makeup shotgun. <laughs> she's a mess. Oh, God, what is wrong? I I hate this. I mean, you know, I, I it's just... You're positioning Nicole Bass just for people to kind of go, ugh. You know, I mean, yeah. I just hate that, like, you mm. know. Is it, does she know? I mean, it gets... Yeah, yeah does she know that she's being... advantage of her. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're impressed with your, you know, your your bodybuilding stuff and your your, your famous and all that. Hey, the second her back's turned. The second her back's like, hey, let's make her look like a complete asshole on TV. It's, and it works. It works. She, she looks like such a fucking moose in this thing. They, they, <laughs> they, seriously, they treat her like, you know... Like absolute garbage, but I mean, I suppose that's what they how they treat most female characters yeah, on the true. show. Uh, Val Venus cuts a very fiscally responsible sexy promo. Hello, ladies. Ladies, tonight I would like to invite each and every single one of you to invest in the Big Valboski's mutual fund. <laughs> You see, it's always up more than it's down, and I can guarantee you, with this fund, there will never be an early withdrawal. Stocks are not sexy. Yeah. Mutual funds, I mean, come on. No, no, stocks. What's he doing? Is he really scraping the barrel now? Yeah. Backstage, Kane is so turned on. Like, <laughs> oh man, you talk about that mutual fund. Get into those Austrian economics with me. He, 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 sa- he says mutual funds. I mean, just does you know raises his arm, raises his arm up, you know, to like, look, a like a stiffy, like a like a hard on, and it just doesn't make sense. Hey Val, you can crunch my numbers any night of the week. That would have made that would have made sense. That would have made sense. Yeah. No, nothing. But Val is also at the same time. In love with Deborah, uh, Jeff Jarrett's manager. So, my God, guys. So, it looks like we got an honest to goodness Vince Russo love triangle on our hands. Uh, classic stuff right here. Val wants Deborah. Deborah is indifferent because she doesn't know what she wants. And Nicole Bass wants Val. And Jeff doesn't want to be pissed off. <laughs> Speaking of Jeff, he cuts a promo and he says he doesn't want to be pissed off. Yeah. Oh, Lord love him. We were sent recently some of the Jeff Jarrett action figures from this time. Uh, obviously, they couldn't have an action figure saying, don't piss me off mm. so the one they release says don't tick me off <laughs> which plays so perfectly into our Muppet Babies analogy oh my god <laughs> yes I told you not to tick me off <laughs> amazing so uh, Jeff says you can consider him uh, Blue Blazer's replacement for tonight but all of a sudden Blazer appears and Pearl Harbor's Val and immediately the Nugget Chance is a dead giveaway straight that away yeah. it is Owen uh, when Owen is fighting there in his cape at the start he, he gets tangled in his cape the poor oh. Owen immediately uh, really bad Val suplexes the blue blazer's cape off at one point <laughs> and then uh, Deborah appears on the on, up on the uh, on the apron and starts you know I, I've said it time and time again but I really don't
don't think Vince Russo knows how the whole man and woman interacting socially. I don't think he understands how I it works. I don't think he's ever met a woman. You, you you can't relate to this. You've never been like on a date and a girl gets on the apron and like starts trying to distract you and interfere. Well, I mean, I know obviously. Yeah, if if you know, if we've you, all been there. If you be in the club and you be <laughs> dancing. And you see a girl, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do my signature taunt. And, you know, I mean, that's obvious. I yeah, mean, it goes without saying. Val, Val goes for hell for leather here. But it's just two people kind of dancing with each other. Now, I have a background in zoology. Centipedes, so many centipedes actually perform like a, a special mating dance beforehand where they touch certain, you know, uh, stroke antennae and all that jazz. And I think that's what Vince Russo was going for here. Are you saying that Vince Russo somehow managed to masquerade as a human being despite being a centipede for the he entire time he was He was Shigania all along. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, getting on back to the end. What a weird joke. What a really weird joke. I'm sorry, guys. Yes, but it's unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff takes advantage of this of this distraction, so to speak, because the ref is caught up with Deborah. Val hits the the Kenplex on uh, on the Blue Blazer, but Jeff just goes in, digs him right in the balls. Blue yeah. Blazer picks up a win. Crowd is pretty dead for most of the night. Yeah. They're not mm, buying the fast pace. I assume this is because it was tacked on to the end of a Raw or before some, you know. Well, Billy, you noticed, didn't you? There's loads of people leaving at the time. Several like, points. But I mean, the audience. I mean, I've heard people saying, you know, if they went to any of these super shows where they like do a. A Raw and then a SmackDown or like Superstars geez, and NXT. I think back yeah. in the day when they did, there was people and they would sit down, they would tape ECW, SmackDown, and then they would also tape, uh, you know, Superstars as well. And you'd be there for four or five That's hours. Too much wrestling. Too much. Or like TNA doing three shows or something. Yeah. So Nicole Seabass appears and Val takes a powder quickly thereafter. It's like Benny Hill here. Yeah. People running around <laughs> she's, uh, she's looking for Snoo Snoo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now Godfather appears it's fucking insanity yeah Jim Cornette said Godfather has come to collect what is rightfully his by which he means Deborah he won a match against Jeff on Raw basically with the ownership of Deborah Deborah was on the line for fuck's sake now we're gonna point out here one of the most innocent gas we've ever made we were all in the the last episode backlash there kind of going oh I wonder what uh, run a train is what does that all mean we found out we found out what run a train means, and uh, it's a bad thing. It's a sex thing. Yeah. This is the sign that said, I want to uh, pull, pull, a a train. Tra- pull a train over the hose or something like that. Yeah. Something like that yeah. Pull a train what, on the hose. Care to enlighten me and Billy? What the not, not, no. <laughs> <laughs> we already are listed as explicit on iTunes. But what, what, what happened? Oh, it, it means basically for it's like a, a queue of people to take turns. On a lady? On a lady. Ugh. I know. So I just thought I'd clear it up, guys. <laughs> uh, we've been getting a lot of tweets about it. You know, we can, uh, it's we we can we can we can consider the matter. Stop telling us, basically. Just stop tweeting us these lewd messages. Next segment. Next segment. So Jeff and the Blue Blazer take out the Godfather, basically, and run off with Deborah, who again they state is the Godfather's property. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, and the whole thing again, of course, Deborah has to be like, well, I wouldn't mind being owned. You know, yeah. she's like, oh, I'm open to, to experimentation. I'll sleep with anyone. You know, oh. backstage, we have The Rock having a little bit of a chat with yeah. himself. Backstage, The Rock has gone mad. Yeah, he's, he's gone actually giving mad. Giving himself a little pep talk. He really just reminded me of my granny in her last few years Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> having a he's quick chat. Pacing back and forth like, oh, you're, you're a son of a bitch. I'll show him who's passing. Um, so... I said B Dizzle is backstage. Blue Blazer. Blue Blazer. Oh my! <laughs> leave, leave that in. I want the. I want you to be seen for who you are. B Dizzle. 
Blue Blazer is backstage with the K-Stacks. Well, Blue Blazer, it's been a while since we've seen you here in the WWF. Uh, to what do we owe the honor? Well, Kevin, it's quite simple. The Blue Blazer is back in the WWF because the WWF needs the Blue Blazer back. Needed for what, Owen? Owen? I'm not Owen. Where is Owen? I'm looking for Owen Hart, too. Where is he? Anyway, the conditions here in the WWF have become deplorable. There's, there's too much cleavage and that 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 valve i can't even say his last name but you know what it rhymes with i can't even say it but he's deplorable everything is deplorable here in the wwf but why you why me because the wwf needs a superhero like the blue blazer one that can protect good from evil and one last thing in closing to all my little blue blazers take your vitamins say your prayers and drink your milk. Woo! And he's talking. K-Stacks. K-Stacks. He, Blue Laser's talking about the, he's you know cutting this virtuous promo of all the yeah. uh, the stuff he thinks is wrong with the World Wrestling Federation. He says there's too much cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also he advises everyone, all those little blazers out there, to take their vitamins, say their prayers, and always drink their milk. Woo! He can't bring himself to say Venus. He's so pure that yeah. you can't even say the penis pun. The blazer gimmick, which, you know, people were going on for ages, going, oh, it was punishment for all that stuff. It's so it's funny. funny. So like, funny. You know, it's, it's brilliant. It's funny. And if, I mean, you know what? If, if, if it meant, meant that Owen got in more segments and doing more stuff and using his, you know, his comedy skills. It's kind of renowned that Owen Hart's a bit of a goof. So why would this be punishment for him? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was really funny, obviously, playing off the old Hogan promos and stuff like that, having a blazer, you know, talking about his little blazers and yeah. having them drink, the vitamins. drink their milk. Woo! Uh, and it, what I love about it as well is that it couldn't more obviously be own heart yeah. <laughs> and yet he still continues to Kevin Kelly even says or should I say Owen <laughs> right in his face what do you mean Owen I'm looking for own heart myself <laughs> so anyway it's uh, coming up next it's our next contest Big crunchy Paul White. Right, piss off with the, your, your big crunchy. I said, well, I said the big shit Paul White. <laughs> the big shit. The big shit. Come on. <laughs> big crunchy Paul White taking on Test here. Obviously, Paul White has left the corporation since you know backlash. He's kind of he's more or less in that kind of face role. You know, he's no longer mm. really affiliated with the corporation in any way. He's he's his own man, as they say. Quick thing I noticed about this, just particularly these and these two guys were coming out. Does everyone who comes out on this show spit? Yeah. <laughs> Test comes out right out there, and then big shows out there spitting like you know. Rock coming out at one point, he was spitting. Oh, yeah. Outlaws come out later, they're spitting. Everyone's spitting. When you see Rock backstage, you actually hear him going like to himself, like hocking up a big lug right before he goes out. Spititude era, like I mean, yeah. not in fairness, it's quite strange. So Test is one of the other guys now who's been uh, fired from the new Streamline Corporation. Uh, Ken Shamrock as well has also been let go, you know, which is good because I think Test, I think he can, you know, there's so many guys who can be the muscle, you know, with yeah. someone like Bossman around, having Test was redundant almost. Mm. Yeah. I think Test now getting a chance to to shine. He has a really cool storyline coming up here as well. Really? Shortly, yeah, which will. Uh, which we'll get into around the time of uh, the summer of 1999. And also as well, Ken Shamrock. Thank God that man is out of the Yeah, he's got much better things to be doing than that, surely. Uh, it's fun to cheer Ken Shamrock once more. Yeah. So uh, Bossman immediately appears in the start of this match. Uh, at one point, we have the Big Show doing a dropkick. Yeah. Weird. It does show about how uh, agile he can be at this point in his life. It's true. It's all downhill from here. It's all downhill. Yeah. 
You want to talk about a guy who uh, won't be doing any dropkicks anytime soon, let me tell you. On commentary, Michael Cole says, Vince and Stephanie have left in disgust. Yes, they've left the arena. In disgust. We get a uh, showstopper choke slam, though, pretty quickly, and Big Show wins. Uh, Bossman didn't even interfere. I know, he just kind of appeared. Bossman comes in, though, afterwards to uh, take care of Test. Gives him a little bit of hard time, as Jim Cornette refers to it. Works him over him with the nightstick. Wants to give him a good nightstick in. A hard day's nightsticking with four boss mans. I think that that needs to if be. If you want to Photoshop that album cover, feel free. <laughs> but uh, Big Show makes the save, and now we're starting to see now some some of these guys who've been left out on their mm. own are starting to mm. uh, bond together. There'll be more on that later, though. Michael Cole then says something. Michael Cole says we're going to have the greatest tag match ever, re- referring, I'm assuming, to the Undertaker and Triple H versus The Rock mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Austin. You can't say that before the match, like. An hour before the, the match. The biggest, you can say, not the best. Yeah, he this, says it's just this be will the best. be the best tag match ever. And we let it find out, it probably isn't. Spoiler alert, yeah. Believe it or not, the debut episode of SmackDown did not have the greatest tag team match of all time. I mean, I, I something like, you know, because you always hear that they there's certain things they can and can't say on commentary now, and they're mm. not allowed to say certain words, and they get, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard them actually say in recent memory, kind of go, this is going to be the best match yet. You know, they don't it's say it like that. too much pressure to put yeah. on a match. Uh, yeah, and I, think, I just don't think they like the idea of them saying this match will be good or this match will be great. Yeah. I think they always kind of say one of the biggest or yeah. like... Most the, anticipated. Most anticipated. Yeah. This so, match will be a match. Yeah. <laughs> the bell will ring at least twice in this one, gang. So The Rock makes his way out and at long live last, The Rock is full-fledged face. Finally. And I think because, you know, he was, he was faced before Survivor Series, but I still think... All the pieces weren't necessarily there. That really, that persona that people really love, that cocky asshole persona, basically, mm. only really came out during his time in the corporation. So now that we have that, plus you can have the you have the permission to cheer the man now. Yeah, we Amazing. finally have the proper rock now, don't we? Shane McMahon, Triple H. Last Monday on Raw, you two jabronis decided to check both your candy asses in to the SmackDown Hotel. So you go on and let the great one be the first one to break the bad news to you two, Rudy! (laughs) Like The Rock was saying, let him be the first one to break the bad news to you two, Rudy! That you damn sure checked in, you two will damn sure check out. But you don't check out without a little departing gift from The Rock, which is his fist in your mouth and his foot in your ass. Well, that's different than a mint on your pillow. Now, as far as for you, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you and The Rock tonight, tag team, make no mistake about it. You damn right we'll fight the fight, but we ain't partners, we ain't buddies, and we damn sure ain't friends. So if you so much tonight get in the rock's way, this Brahma bull will dip his head, take his horns, and stick them straight up your ass. I love it when the rock at the start, he starts kind of saying, you bring your Rudy Poo, and the crowd do it with him, and he's like, what's everyone doing? But he doesn't correct he, them. He doesn't say, it's not sing-along for once. Yeah. It's, uh, he lets them do it. Just a nice little touch yeah. like that. You get a really lame sign as well. It just says, <laughs> ready for the smackdown. 
you jabroni. And it's just, it looks like it's been written in crayon by Mark Miro. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a job back if he yeah. makes a good enough sign. I have to say, great promo from The Rock here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think at this stage, if it's TV and The Rock's got a microphone in his hand, it's going to be good. It's going to be good, definitely. Let me come out here and get this straight right off the bat. Last week and tonight, you come out here talking all your trash about Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'll tell you this, you will always be, in my eyes, some punk kid running around out here spitting out nursery rhymes. <laughs> Saying what you're going to do, turn your little horns sideways because you're the Brahma Bull. <clears throat> Stone Cold Steve Austin will knock him stupid horns right off your head, wipe your ass, Put you on a barbecue grill, and that's all I got to say about that. And then Austin appears, wearing his hat. <laughs> Little cap. His hat and his... Stone chain. cap Steve Austin. It reminded me strongly of the time The Ultimate Warrior came out on Raw, inexplicably wearing a hat. If you've just got a hat on, it's so fucking distracting. Yeah, it's so odd and unusual to see, isn't it? Why has he got a hat on? Steve Austin, mate. But it's like coming out with I, like socks on. It's I just think like, it was a, a stone cold cap, so he's probably just trying to flog some merch or something. Is it like someone mixed up the left the head for the civilian clothing, Steve Austin, at home, and he put that <laughs> one on? Like great when Austin is coming in and he's doing the four uh, the four turnbuckles, he gives the finger to the Rocky without time. even looking at him. I love that because I mean, problem a lot of people have with with kind of modern booking is that if two you know if someone becomes face or heel, they automatically oh, all is forgiven and yeah. all this stuff. But these guys had a war only a few short weeks ago at Backlash. They have history. They, you know, they have history. And uh, Austin, at one point in his promo, correct me if I'm wrong, threatens to cook and eat the rock alive. He says Stone Cold will knock the horns off your head, wipe your ass, and put you on a barbecue. Right, so he is planning on, on killing and eating He's going to yeah, take the horns off, and then you know clean him up. Wipe his bum. Needless to say, wipe his bum. And presumably while he's wiping him, you know, he'll be pulling out the uh, awful and whatnot. It's going to be uh, difficult as well, because The Rock has said that he's going to have his hands down Undertaker, and his fists, sorry, down Taker and Triple H's mouth, and his feet up up their ass. So it's a very so complex he's got image. a lot on his plate. So if you can kind of visualise this, we've kind of got like the rock kind of slotted in like a grid into... <laughs> Meanwhile, Austin is wiping his ass and preparing a barbecue as well. Tell you what, with the way the, 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 the rock is going to be positioned, if you turn him over on a side, you could pitch a tent. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to paint a renaissance mural <laughs> if you did want to. Shane O'Mac comes out and uh, straight away we know something's up. Because around 150,000 men come out behind him. Yeah. It's the merger from hell, as Jim Cornette calls it. Guys, the corporation and the ministry have combined to form the corporate ministry. Austin, Rock, let me be the first to introduce you to the corporate ministry. Oh my God. And you guys better get it together and change your strategy. As Shane says, and then he says, so you better change your strategy and then gives them this cheeky little wink and a smile. It's such, I mean, they, they, they've they showed the clip a lot of times you know, when, the, when the court minister comes out because originally it's just Shane and Taker yeah. and then Triple H and Bear they come out and, and then just everyone just slowly comes out and you're like, oh my God. And Jim guy's like, it's the merger from hell. If it was left there, fine. Mm. But Shane goes, you better change your strategy. Ding! Because, you know, I laid a trap card or some yeah. fucking bullshit. The you fans know? don't really care because as soon as The Undertaker comes out, we just get about six laser points. Oh, yeah, yeah. immediately. Yeah, <laughs> the blue lights will be the downfall of the corporate ministry. Corporate ministry is one of my favourite groups ever just because it's so insane. Mm. And, of course, we get eventually the corporate ministry 
their music is the corporation theme with like evil oh I hate it it's oh my so, god really I do not like that at all oh it's so brilliant because you got Shane Man going <laughs> in the background this wasn't like a big uh, orchestral and choir sung version of No Chance of- that would have worked yeah Yeah. I, I have to say though corporate ministry possibly the largest faction of all time let's try and run through who's in it we've got Shane Taker Triple H China Pete Gas, Rodney Farouk Bradshaw Midian Viscera Paul Bearer Big Boss Man Big Boss Man That's it 12 12 12 guys And then I do believe we get a new member of the Mean Street Posse appearing soon enough 13 So we'll have 13 You want to talk about a Texas size stable I think uh, NWO like everyone's always ragging on them for having the biggest number of uh, How long <laughs> do we have these guys for now then? Corporate ministry for most of the summer basically Cool You know so it's kind of the, the big storyline from now until Russo departs really and of course, because we have the corporate ministry, it now means the word of the night on commentary is cahoots. And we've we'll been talking about cahoots all night long. It's How long cahoots. have they been in cahoots? How long have they been in cahoots? Was this a sudden decision or have they been in cahoots for a number of months now? They're suddenly in cahoots with each other. Can you believe the cahoots we've seen tonight? Coming up next on WWF Cahoots. It's gonna be <laughs> brought to you by cahoots.com. Backstage, Kane and X-Pac are with the K-Bones. Kane killed X-Pac after a bloodbath he received on Monday Night Raw. K-Bones. K-Bones. Uh, he's like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> you win, Kevin. I love the dynamic between K and X-Pac. We didn't really get to go into yeah. it much because obviously the singles match of Backlash was very much a X-Pac Triple H issue. But just, it's Kane is completely unstable. And X-Pac, every time he thinks that, no, Kane's on my side. I mean, we're tag champs for Christ's sake. Kane keeps going after X-Pac. Choke slams him. Peter Puppy in Earthworm Jim. That's what it is. Yes! Oh my God, that's a spot on him. Uh, Whose side is he on? <laughs> doing this again. Not yours. <laughs> this time I like it though. I think it works here. I think, no, because there's so much they can get from it. Because, I mean, X-Pac is, is, I mean, he's a guy who, again, I think, going through the podcast... I realize it's so much better than you know he was originally given credit for and just maybe not be the best on the mic but his facials and stuff like that where he's kind of like oh is Kane with me and you can't read Kane because of the mask so mm. you don't know what he's left what's, in the dark yeah you're really left you. in the dark so you, your guess is kind of as good as anyone else's at the time so it really does make it you know really interesting they're going to be taking on the new age outlaws later on of course the outlaws getting the number one contendership at backlash so you know going to be a pretty uh, intense match DX taking on DX Next match coming up, it's Draws. He's now accompanied to the ring by a guy who's making his debut on the podcast. It's Prince Albert. Mm. Tensai. Tensai. Yeah, sweet Wait, I'm only going to call him Tensai because even WWE now, on like uh, on 2K14, in uh, Undertaker's victims of WrestleMania list, they call him Tensai when he was A-Train at the time. So He's been through a lot of names. In, as far as I'm concerned, his name is Tensai and I'm just sticking to that now. So uh, what do you, you make of uh, Prince Albert actually you see him come out for the first time here? Also, Draws, massive shift in gimmick. Last time we saw yeah, him, he was banging with the Legion of Doom. Now he's on his own. Some... He's got a big purple hat now. He's dressed like a prick. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's, the, he's the Mad Hatter now. That's he, actually he what like, his, his, his gimmick the really Hatter. was. The Mad Hatter. He looks like one of those knobheads that goes to raves wearing a big silly hat and thinks they're cool. His whole deal was that they they repackaged him. He was debuting these kind of Draws' world segments. Because, you know, Draws is a, kind of a weird dude in real life. You know, a man who can puke on command is never mm. going to be considered entirely normal but they'd have him you know, showing his reptile collection and you know him he introduced Prince Albert then as being his uh, his tattooist and personal pierces and all that stuff I've never liked Albert N- never like literally I, in, I in any iteration of any of his gimmicks I've never liked him there's never been a guy who I've went because I mean he's a guy who's 
man, I mean, you talk about guys in the roster who's been around, you know, yeah. in one way or another. Mm. I mean, he's up there with Kane, yeah. you know. He's really... all over the globe as well. And I think he's the guy who I've said, I've thought to myself privately most that, all right, this is going to be it. Now he's going to... Uh, this time he's going to make this, a break. This yeah. is going to be it. I think I maybe have thought that around three times legitimately about the man every time they've either Terribly pulled... dull wrestler. Um, I think he's got a... He's got a unique style and he's got a... You know, I, I just... I think he, he works well. I think he found his best... He's found his niche in Japan, really. Mm. Doing what he was doing over there. And I don't think he was ever going to come back here and reach anywhere near the point. But, I mean, he's... he's I think he's a steady hand. He's green as fucking grass early on here. But I like the idea of giving draws a little something to work with. And I mean, as a kid, I was enamored with this gimmick. I thought, oh, look at him. He's got a weird hat. <laughs> and he's got a weirdo with him. I love any kind of, like, group of weirdos in wrestling. Be it the Job Squad or, the or these guys at the Oddities. I always love groups of weirdos. So it is draws taking on D'Lo Brown in this match. Draws starts mocking D'Lo Brown's shaky head pretty yeah. early on. I have to say, it's one of the first times I've ever actually seen someone finally point out that, mate, you do wibble your head. Yeah, they never acknowledge it, do they? It's, he's like hitting a little move and he's going up on the top row going, oh, you better recognise. <laughs> D'Lo, of course, takes great exception to this. The match, though, kind of, it's... It, it, it kind of gets sloppy as fuck. You can't be doing these false finishes stuff with yeah. some, that stuff that's so undercard, you know? Because we get, you know, D'Lo gets to sky high, goes to the load, and you think, okay... Quick match going to end here. But no, he gets pushed off the top. And then D'Lo dives to the outside. And he goes for the low down again. Would it have really hurt either of these guys just to take a clean loss and just have a straightforward match? Would it really have hurt them if they just, instead of stopping the low down twice, if they just went with it the first time and ended in DQ, which is what they were going for yeah. anyway? Yeah. I never understand this kind of, you know, what, you know one's going to buy into a false finish. Why are you beating a, her on a bush? Yeah, just get to the point. Albert does uh, goes to town on D'Lo. He hits a pretty sweet... He goes from a press slam into like a Michinoku driver position. Mm. That's quite a quite an impressive feat right that there. That was cool, yeah. Then Albert goes for his tools! Ah, my tools! <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a weird thing which they're going for, which is, you know... Gonna, they're always gonna try to tattoo someone or pierce someone yeah. or something like that. Some crazy shit happens with this later on. We get a run in then, guys, don't we? Yeah. Let's just yeah, let's just stop here and explain to the listeners how we're gonna do this next bit. Because um, we all watched this episode together of SmackDown, which we rarely we rarely watch all our very episodes. rarely. But yeah, Delo's on the ground being held back by Draws, and Albert's literally about to pierce him when suddenly Mark Henry <laughs> runs out in a big green suit, and the three of us all exploded at the same time, and we all individually have things to say about this. Kevin, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, a giant tin of peas appears. <laughs> oh, I was going to say a giant pistachio rolls down the road. <laughs> I was going to say the biggest bowl of pea soup I've ever seen. <laughs> His suit is fucking hideous. Oh my God, an unfortunate choice of clothes uh, from, from Mark Henry. Yeah. With his wallpaper suit. Where did he get this thing? Fuck me. Oh man, he looks stupid. Nice to see Mark Henry back. However, yeah, he hugs D'Lo when, you know, he chases off Albert and draws, and then he hugs D'Lo and they raise hands together. And it's really sweet, actually, seeing them back together. And D'Lo's going like, oh, you've been gone for a while and you've managed to get fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> you big Brussels sprout. <laughs> I've been helping rid the world of Frey Bentos one tin, <laughs> one tin at a time. Ivory's there as well, obviously. So the kind of, the, the, the group is back together, so to speak. I think... It was one of those moments that when a kind of a group is back together and you kind of go, actually, I think everyone's probably better off on their own, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, it's uh, D'Lo and the Big Green from now on. I feel like I have a lot to say about this next segment, but, you know, we'll, we'll pop it in here. Sable in Hollywood! Beautiful, she's powerful, and she's become queen of the ring. Here she is, Sable! Hi, and welcome to Sable TV. 
how quickly this becomes a woman's world. Now coming in, you see this broad sable from the World Wrestling Federation? I see you can't take your eyes off of me. You've noticed, huh? Oh, yeah. Let me check that out. Oh, yeah. You're hot. For a minute there, I was seeing double. Sable earned the right to wear the champion's belt. But now, she's not even wearing that. I want to talk to you about Playboy. It is the hottest selling Playboy of all time! This Florida native has become a media phenom. Cover shots on TV Guide, photo spreads in Playboy, a number one selling video. Sable unleashed. Sable, what can I say? Now I understand what all the hoopla is about. Hello, guys. See you later. Uh, Rotan here. Pathetic. <laughs> we get it's it's a montage of Sable taking Hollywood by storm. We get Sable and Roseanne Barr in the same room together, which is actually my personal idea of hell. This <laughs> this segment is hideous. She, she goes on the Howard Stern show. Howard Stern's like, yeah, you're pretty she, hot. Let's uh, let's look a, at you getting a boner over here. It's <laughs> fucking disgusting. There's a bit where where she's got uh, Regis Philbin in some sort of hold. And he's like, whoa, my head is near your breasts. It's yeah. dreadful. This is piss. This then is piss TV. Then they show some of the covers of um, it's piss TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. They <laughs> <laughs> show the covers of, uh, of the Playboy issues she was in. And I was just hoping that like every time we saw one of these clips, we'd, we'd get a little bit of just the camera just moved slightly and there's Mark Miro crying in the background. <laughs> we never got any of that. You can tell their heart's not in this. You no. know, they're not, promoting her. Heart's her heart's not in anything. Yeah, like, but sorry, her heart's not in this for doing any of this yeah. shit because she's so fucking wooden. Mm. And their heart's not in it as well because the only reason she's off doing all this stuff is because they don't want to book her. Because yeah. Yeah. They she, want her out. Like, literally, this woman is burned. She's got such a bad reputation. She is shit in a box. Yeah. Rep bad reputation I this moment. I hate Sable. Uh, yeah. Honestly, yeah. And, I really, uh, this this one segment here just reminded me that I fucking hate Sable. I cannot stand her. And they have all like the kind of the great thing about this pro promo package as well is that everyone who's like they're putting clips in of it's like you know news people, entertainment mm. magazines, and they're all kind of like, oh, Sable's part of the World Wrestling Federation. She's the World Wrestling Federation champion. <laughs> so yeah, and then of course it just shows the Playboy magazine swirling and it just. Michael Cole promoting Sable's Playboy yeah. is my version of hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the K-Funk backstage with the New Age Outlaws. Road Dog calls him Double K. That's fucking my gimmick, man. K-Funk. K-Funk. K-Bones. Have you actually said Kevin Kelly once in this episode? Anyone that might be a new listener or anything, he's talking about Kevin Kelly here, by the way. That's sexy delight. K-Bones. <laughs> he's that kind of urban-looking fellow with, <laughs> a, with the white button-down shirt. <laughs> We're getting a little, uh, Billy, you might be happy about seeing this. We're getting some dissension in the ranks. Uh, yeah. Billy Gunn, not happy with, uh, with with them kind of being like, you know, oh, you know, we're all DX, we're all family. He's, he's all about business. Yeah. yeah. Billy business. Billy business. Billy business. <laughs> Are you you looking, I mean, this is, of course, this typical. Last episode of, you know, Backlash, we're kind of like, oh, man, New Age Outlaws firing all cylinders. Now they're teasing them breaking up. Yeah. Great, great. It is typical, actually. Yeah. Honestly, I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I will, apathetic at I, best. I, I said in the in the last episode, you know, they were they actually did really well. But as far as this goes now, I don't care at all. Really, I'm just so apathetic toward it all now. But it's it's it's. I see, I see where you're here. coming from, like, yeah, because yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I got tired of the New Age Outlaws, but then in the last episode, it was sort of like, oh, they still show promise, you know, they might still have something going, but no, now it looks like they're going to break up soon. So. Yeah, and of course, the King of the Ring is around the corner, so uh, yeah. oh god, someone's got a big plans, big plans. 
It's now time for the WWF Tag Team Championship match. X-Pac and Kane, the champions defending against the New Age Outlaws, Badass Billy Gunn and the Road Dog Jesse James. GX versus DX. Unbelievable. Yeah, weird. Very, very, very persistent rumours. I'm not going to say credible or, like, you know, uh, strong or anything like that, but persistent rumours back in this time period that Kane was going to join DX. Really? Yes. Oh, man, would he have gone green and everything? Oh, Even to the point that there was a really big rumour, I remember hearing this, this is great, because, you know, it was like the fucking Wild West back when I was a kid, because, you know, one lad would have fucking internet, so you're yeah. taking, you know, everyone's word on it. But apparently there had been, like, discussions that people had seen, like, you know, uh, there was a green and black DX oh, Kane oh, figure man. had been, you know, oh. prototyped or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I, if only... If I saw it as a kid, I would have shit my pants. Yeah. But looking back now, I know it was not the right decision. It would have been lame. Because it would have been a step too far to make Kane too human and too kind of, you know, face. Yeah, but you, Kane wouldn't have... I don't think Kane would have lasted as long as he's had now. That's very had true. Had they pulled That's that very, trigger. Because he's only been around for like two two or three years. I just want to see the green you know. outfit in all honesty. Well, you can do it on Superstar Threads. <laughs> so, we get Road Dogg and X-Pac having a nice exchange at the start. And then they uh, do the little DX salute to each other. Yeah. Which is which is nice before you realise they're asking each other if they can suck each other's dicks. Billy Gunn is on absolute fire here. They're really like making him seem like he's serious. Because when Road Dogg is kind of like doing all the respect spots, he's going, Billy's going in and like, you know, really taking it to him and he's going straight after Kane as well which is you know pretty cool to see them actually giving these guys a bit of an interesting story uh, you know so to speak Billy Gunn is basically being uh, ruthless you could almost say although at one point he does the Ric Flair flop yeah really he's, weird uh, very he's very turned strange. all serious now and then does a big massive over the top bump on the ground yeah so X-Pac finally tags in Kane uh, and what I think is the mildest tag ever and if we were to look at the Nando saw scale <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume that Kane's more of like a lemon and herb tag here something like that you know it's it's still got a little bit of a kick to it but it's really not very spicy I'm not tell you what it is it's the fucking old El Paso blue mild ones they oh brought God, out those. your children can eat this they won't die they'll be fine it's just <laughs> red sauce with sour cream on top <laughs> that's what this tag is so Kane clears house the New Age Outlaws try and, you know, double team. And at this point, uh, it just becomes a clusterfuck. Yeah, all all yeah. four guys it's, are in it's the It's no longer, longer a tag team match. It's Hideous. just a big clusterfuck. Four-way. Four but the uh, New Age Outlaws hit a double drop kick. Kane sits up immediately, though, and uh, goes for a choke slam on the road dog. But then he also grabs X-Pac. And yeah. I really like that they're kind of playing here. It's, it, it is almost to the detriment of the other players in the ring. But it's almost as if Kane's just on another level for these guys. Because you got Road Dog doing, you know, shake, rattle, and roll, but Kane's just like. He's on such a higher level. It's almost like, what if we took one of the guys who's almost a main eventer and just put him in the tag division and see what happens? Yeah. And yeah, he's just cleaning house and he can kill all of them if he wants to. It's 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 quite cool. But uh, we get a low blow on Kane and then a famous sir, like right in front of the referee. Yeah. Two illegal men are in the ring. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Give a shit. He, he doesn't even there. try to say, all right, you're not the legal man, get out. He just stands there and just looks on. I mean, you know, I don't mind if they have kind of points like this where the rules are just kind of, you know, ignored, but they at least have to have the referee kind of going, oh, referee is like, you you know, using his discretion, yeah. or the ref is trying to get someone out of the ring. Or but if he's if knocked you're, out. If you're just standing there. You can tell by the way he actually you know, sort of thinks like, oh, I should have been, I should be doing I should have been turned around for that. I shouldn't have seen that, but he just carries on as normal. And it's 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 quite... Um, I, I'm going to say right now, actually, because we, we don't often talk about this on the podcast, but bad refereeing like that is one of the biggest kayfabe killers, I think. It's well, such yeah. a pain it's, in the ass. It's, I mean, we've seen a lot with the DQs and stuff, but obviously in tag team wrestling, 
it's a huge, huge part of the whole psychology of tag wrestling is the referee. Because yeah, in tag plays... wrestling, the referee becomes a whole... I mean, he's so much more important in tag to the match because he has to be worked by the, the heels. And he's... Mm. They're just not... They're just, like, ignoring the ref here yeah. and yeah. doing their shit. And I think it really makes this match seem a bit bush league. Uh, but the road dog uh, bumps into Billy Gunn while Billy is already pressing X-Pac over his head. And uh, we get the one, two, three. Yeah. X-Pac wins. So, again, we're more, you know... You know, dissension between the outlaws yeah. and Billy Gunn is all hot afterwards, and they show the New Age outlaws having a proper go at each other backstage afterwards. Yeah, they get backstage very quickly. Yeah, uh, almost they warp there. You it was know? almost an edit, wasn't it? It was it's, weird. They're standing in the ring, and then Road Dog whips out his flute and it's like, <laughs> and then they're backstage with a load of pipes. Here comes a segment which really justified us doing the SmackDown episode at all. I mean. I was we're mainly at the start of kind of saying, oh, I'll do the SmackDown thing just almost for convenience so we can get through a lot of the storyline changes. Mm. But fuck me, this segment right here. This gem. Mm. Doc Hendricks in the middle of the ring, dressed up like a, dressed up like a kind of you can buy like the pre-made pancake batter in, a, <laughs> in like a jug. I was gonna say he looks like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> he is wearing suspiciously clean clothes. Let's hope they don't get any mess on them at all, because yeah. they're very clean. Come on guys, we gotta hurry up with this. Doc is needed back in the moisture farm at five. So anyway, <laughs> we're told that tonight the brood are going to break their silence and assumedly return to it immediately thereafter. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because my immediate thought was I'd ne- I could never remember hearing Gangrel's voice ever. So I, I immediately thought, oh shit, I'm going to hear Gangrel talk I for think the I've, first time. I've ne- I, before this, I don't think I'd ever heard Gangrel. I mean, I've other than I met him once. Yeah, yeah, but in character, never heard Gangrel on the mic, have you? Never. And you know, I you sort of had. think like he's gonna be like blur or something, you know, a big I vampire. Hoping, I was hoping he was gonna be like the Count from Sesame Street. He says, <laughs> "One member of the Brood." Ah, ah. ah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a bit of a, a Bella Lugosi type thing. But what uh, do we get, Kevin? We get. I'm gonna play it right here. The Brood initially has not spoken by our own choice. And then later, it was forbidden <laughs> by the Undertaker. Well, when the brood entered this world, we craved the guidance. That guiding light to show us the way. And that was the Undertaker. Well, unfortunately, the Undertaker's thoughts and feelings were not the same as ours. For <laughs> in the darkness, we seek a much different light. We live our collective lifestyles for who we are and what we believe in. In the search of the mystery of life in the hereafter. And the power is what we seek. And it's within all of us. And we just have to unleash it. <laughs> okay, just to... It's hard, guys, when you're doing a podcast, when you're faced with that. Yeah. To try and put into so many words... So I've written down here some words. I'm a little the the kettle's boiled, lads. Right, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm I'm quite upset by this promo. Can you read what I wrote down, please, okay. Adam? Ah, Jesus. Ah, Jesus, lads. Ah, for fuck's sake, lads. Ah, here. <laughs> so if you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes, <laughs> what is going on? That is the worst promo ever. We basically just had a Karang interview in the middle of yeah. the ring. Oh my God, Gangrel, you're a fan. 
You're a vampire! Anyway, yeah, here is the brood. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna take over the World Wrestling Federation real soon. Yeah, you wanna watch out for that? First of all, the man struggles with his prosthetic teeth. Very much they keep, so. They keep slipping out. Oh. He's oh, got. It's so sad! He's got his blue eye. Oh, my God! It's Gangrel! Yiffy, me and The Undertaker, we had a falling out. <laughs> what I wrote here was that Gangrel was clearly prepping for his future in pornography by using the kind of porno level acting and that it, is not a joke either. that's not a joke <laughs> did anybody any over, uh, I can't even speak did anybody that's, no, that's the level <laughs> it's on though yeah sensing that it's quickly going from a car crash to a train wreck <laughs> Doc Hendricks puts the mic over to Christian who like a proper moody teen doesn't even look at it that's the right he, thing to do he's still angry about being asked to clean his room earlier on this week <laughs> but the 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 breakout star of the group, uh, Edge decides. You know oh, what, guys? Well, I remember Edge being great on the mic, so this ought to be at yeah. least a saving grace. I, you know, what, I'll tell you what. You know, um, I think like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, proper crazy Edge when he was in the feud with the Undertaker. Some of my favorite microphone work ever. I mean, the man was absolutely untouchable on my on the on the mic during that. So period. you were excited to see what he was going to say? Yeah, because I mean, you know, I'm not saying you always start off that good, but if you get that good, you got to have something. They will understand. Understanding is just a matter of time. The power lies within us, and it's up to us to find it. We are who we are, the unholy trio. And we will become what we will become. For those who believe, we'll follow. For those that don't, we'll merely exist. So, Doc, I suggest that you beware, take care, because the freaks come out at night. <laughs> they will understand. Oh, Jesus, it gets worse. I'm not Ed. <laughs> Ed says, beware, take care, because the freaks come out at night. Oh, Beware the big green dragon. Uh, he eats little boys and puppy dog tails. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these goosebumps films? What is going on? This is it, it's madness. Train wreck. Absolute madness. And this, you know what the great thing is? This was taped. Yeah. So they did this, assumedly went backstage, and there was a moment where they kind of went, okay, we can either go with what we have cut it entirely or send you out there again because you hear it a lot of times you know it's Smackdown tape and stuff like that if something gets fucked up beyond the belief beyond belief they just send them out again or do a backstage promo even. or do a backstage that. Yeah. and they actually thought you know what keep that in we got it got it in one take network guys. TV this yeah. is what we want people to see and after that train wreck as well Doc Hendricks literally dismisses the brood as being some gimmick <laughs> right in their face it's just like, oh, people can say about you as your lifestyle. This is all just some gimmick. You do it for attention. You're just some gimmick trying to get over. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you know, Doc has is, is, is done a bad thing because all of a sudden the lights go out. The Noel's house party music starts playing. Yeah. You know. Come, comes, lights come back on and he's covered in jelly bath. All over his bloody clean clothes. Uh, so Michael Hayes, victim of the bloodbath, and I wrote down, probably not the first time Michael Hayes has woke up covered in blood, <laughs> screamed and confused. <laughs> Wow. Just, Woke just, up in Texas, you know, wakes up with a knife. Ah! <laughs> Where's Bam Bam? Where's Buddy? 
the, the, Where's the take for the game tonight? Did we go over? <laughs> the most disappointing thing about this was that we finally got the fire. Oh yeah, yeah. that's the yeah, that's a very good. We point. finally got the fire you know entrance, and was? I was like, yeah, that's quite good. And it had been explained to us why we hadn't been seeing the fire on pay per view was because they don't have that steel rampway at the pay per views, oh. and that's where they come up it on your knees. So yeah, I mean, there you go. The brood step out of the shadows, break their silence, and kill their gimmick completely. All, I mean, there are very, it takes a certain certain kind of promo to kill off a gimmick. It's a gimmick suicide. And right I mean, there. if you're a vampire's gothic lifestyle, it's it's what's happened with I mean, suppose with you guys with the Undertaker to an extent, just on a smaller scale. Being that here's something you're presented with, they're kind of ominous and you know mysterious. If you see them now and then acting strange, and you know, see them wrestle seldomly, that's fine. But if you have them in like a 10 minute talking segment, yeah. game over, man. Fucking hell. So the K-House is backstage with Kenny Shamrock, who is all like a, a pouting teen rogue sitting up on the lockers there looking like a complete badass. This is the uh, Sorry, Adam is just shaking his head. And he's <laughs> You're just taking words and right. putting K in front of them. All right, look. Oh, you? oh, here comes the K-Desk. All right. Here he is with his K-Lamp. <laughs> side, you can't just keep... Do- sidebar, all right. They cut to Kevin Kelly like 20 fucking times in this. And you run out of work. I'm struggling as much as you here, okay? <laughs> Sidebar close. This is, this is the calmest I've ever seen Ken Shamrock. He's just uh, he's just, uh, just chilling. Brad well, dude, it's only how he writes a bit of poetry, sits back, yeah. reflects on it, and then yeah. has his interview. Bradshaw, you're going to have a street fight tonight. going to kick your ass. You know what? China. (laughs) Speaking of, actually, Ken had a a match with China around this period of time as well, because you know, obviously, the the evil corporate people were fighting their good guy counterparts, Mm. obviously with the corporate ministry forming and whatnot. So Ken was scheduled to face China, and China said backstage, "Oh God, I'm not even going to say this." Uh, China said backstage, "Get ready for one hell of a fight, Ken, because it's that time of the month, and I'm in a bad mood." Oh, come on. Period jokes. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's what, what they stoop to. Basically, China, I think you should do a joke about being on a period. <laughs> Sorry, this this new thing which I've been doing with Adam. He does uh, it all the fucking it's time. Corporate Triple H, uh, you know, making bad decisions. <laughs> Basically, I, I think we should bury Daniel Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. I love that conversation though with Vince Russo. I swear to God, you're going to go out there and you're going to want the crowd to think you're on the period. (laughs) And you're going to make them think that you ain't going to be able to conceive for the next week. (laughs) We were quite psyched up about this. We saw the matches being run down at the top of the hour. Ken Shamrock and Bradshaw. Brad and Ken in a street fight. In a street fight. This is going to be a potato factory. I mean, it's it's quite amazing. Ken, at the end of his promo, says he's ready for this fight, this street fight, because he was born on the street. You weren't. You were born in a hospital. (laughs) (laughs) You like doctors. So here we go. Street fight. It's Ken Shamrock taking on the man who cost him his... uh, his rightful victory against the Undertaker in that burn burner of a match at Backlash. Yeah. Uh, in a street fight, Bradshaw and Ken Shamrock. So Ken jumps Brad from the get go, and you can tell straight away it's going to be a stiff one. Yeah. Lots of potatoes here. Ooh. It's a farmer's market we've got going on <laughs> in this thing. Shamrock pops on a leg vine early on, and uh, Brad is, you know, he gets pretty pretty taken to him. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's stuck in a, there. It's a long, long hold. Bradshaw's wriggling around for Doing quite a while. Doing his impression of a horny dog and just working the leg. <laughs> Bradshaw uses the bat. 
you can tell straight away that Vince Russo wrote this. Vince Russo has just got a bat fetish. Like in every segment he was in WCW, he just have a bat. Like you know, he'd he'd always be beating up people. You know, with his baseball bat and WCW and all this stuff. And now what? we've got bats galore here. What's the deal with the bat? It's like when you think Bradshaw and Ken Shamrock, like a, they don't need a bat. A bat is so weird, mm. but the bat is uh, the focal point of the match. Brad uses the bat for a little bit. Then Ken uses the bat for a little bit, and then he pops on a on a chokehold on Brad and with, uh, with 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 the bat with the bat and uh, Sham- Shamrock wins by by murder killing, killing Bradshaw wins it, via the murder. It's just a slow, disgusting like Brad is just like yeah, he, he's, a gurgle. He's, he's struggling and he's like <laughs> and then he just stops moving and he goes limp. Yeah, and then they ring the bell and the crowd cheers. It's really it was it was <laughs> it's really great. It was it's quite like, a harrowing horrific, victory. Yeah, and uh, Ken won't let go of yeah. this vicious maneuver to the point in which Michael Cole says in Conor Tree that when Ken Shamrock gets in this way, he's uncontrollable. <laughs> he's uncontrollable on this Bono episode of the Andrew Era podcast. Did you see the new controllables for the Xbox One? <laughs> The depot on it is just fucked still, though. I mean, <laughs> did, did you hear what the ring announcer called Ken Shamrock? It was Tony Chimmel, wasn't it? Tony, it's Tony yeah. Chimmel. He just says, "And the winner of this match, Ken Shimrock." Shim- I, know, I thought it was Shimra. <laughs> Shimra. Ken Shimra. <laughs> yeah, we actually get um, a lot of Fink's announcing duties on the on the the regular shows being handled now by by Tony Chimmel, of mm. course, a bit of the ring crew since you know the eighties, but. Uh, not the, quite the same as R. Hasn't Howard. Got, hasn't got the same sheen to him. Definitely not. He, then Ken just starts running around. He attacks Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, poor Sergeant he's, Slaughter. He's, he's attacking everyone. He's being like really angry. And then, then Michael Cole just goes, Shamrock has lost his mind. Here's Kevin Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Comes backstage. <laughs> oh, geez, you're not going to like this one. Kay Fizzy is back in the... Uh... <laughs> He's back in the boiler room with the micker. Not going to say anything. Mankind tells basically everyone what he's all about. And you know what? If this is the first time you ever... Because, I mean, you got to think of it from the point of view. This is a network TV special. This is going to be the first time a lot of people... Mm. You know, a lot of new eyes, potentially. New audience. And I don't think anyone actually used their minutes as wisely as Mick Foley, who right here, he's like, hey, I'm Mick Foley. I wear this mask because I like to sell toys. Mm. I wear this shirt and tie because it looks pretty cool. And... You know, he was it's really, very really... smart, like just basically describing who he is. But Mick Foley is the only person that can get away with literally saying, "Hey, I'm mankind. This is what I do." You know, no one else could get away with literally outright saying. Yeah, that. I know. It was really. But it was very wise of him to do that, like you say, for a new audience. It really got his, com- his comedy over mm. quite quite strong here. But I mean, Mick obviously in very very rough shape at this this moment mm. here. And we cut backstage again to the corporate ministry clubhouse, where all of them are stood in a circle, just having a big old chat. <laughs> and Mick- Shane just goes, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Sat on the floor, and they just Rocking. look like a bunch of pricks. It's like, so lame. They're just in a locker room, just now, having a chat. Them all lined up on the entranceway. Badass. Because you could, remember back when they're doing that, they cut back to Rock and Austin. They're like, oh, oh shit, shit, you know, yeah. we better change a strategy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is backstage, like, you know, what, 12 guys? Shane's going, yeah! And then we're so gonna go, right. we're gonna beat them all, we're gonna beat Austin, we're gonna beat The Rock, then we're gonna take the WWF Championship. <laughs> <laughs> What a bunch of mates. What a great bunch of lads the Corbin Ministry are. We mentioned, obviously, that Mick Foley has been in a rough shape as of late. And good lord, is it nowhere more evident than this next match. Mankind versus the Big Boss Man. Bell to bell, this one was around 45 seconds in length. Pretty I much. Think. Yeah, such a short match. Mm. First move of the match, double arm DDT. And then he goes for Mr. Socko. Big Boss Man takes a powder, goes to leave. 
Then uh, Tess comes out and throws the big boss man in. For a second, I thought it was one of the members of Public Enemy with his big homeboy. Fucking, <laughs> He's uh, got a big uh, hockey jersey, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, but we'll discuss Public Enemy when the Dudley boys come in. That's a, that's a chat for another podcast. And then out of nowhere, Big Saucy appears. <laughs> You're doing this to wind me up now. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem with reviewing the TV shows because people come out so often. I've yeah. got to, you know, you got you thought you were getting the double, but you're getting the double, double, double. <laughs> so, you know, big, big shows out here, you know, we got Big Show, Test, and Mankind, basically. Bossman is pretty much outnumbered. Gets Socko, Foley wins. <laughs> so, Bossman. Three on one loss. Yes. Three guys. Are you beginning to notice a trend here of these uh, these guys we've all got here now? Kind of we likes the shamrock test. Forming some big, sort of union with each other, aren't a they? A union of people you ought to respect, or as they were also known, up yours. What? Union of people you ought to respect. Oh my god! And you know what the best bit about it is? Their entrance music. A steam whistle. Now, as a kid, I was quite annoyed. I didn't like the union for for one reason, one reason only. Now, as a grown up, I'm kind of like, I don't like it that it was a rib on the idea of forming a union because yeah. that's something I think wrestlers probably do need. But that's a, a chat for. If we get Jesse Ventura on one week. We'll have a chat about that. <laughs> they came out with with big lumps of lumber. Not much sense, really. There, gang. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, anytime I'm sitting there and I'm watching my wrestling, I hear a steam whistle. I'm like, boom, William Regal, let's yep. go. He's Where? a man. And I'm, I'm sitting there looking around going, no, it's not William Regal. It's mm. Big Show, Test, Mankind, Ken Shamrock, and sometimes Vince with loads of wood. Yeah. Union of people you ought to respect. That's fucking that's atrocious. Out, that's actually outstanding. I have to say, I, lo- I love factions. You know, factions of wrestling is, mm. is, is great. It's one of the things I really love. But... Factions just for the sake of them, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, and this is such an obvious one, it's like, okay, you know, these guys, they're gonna form the union, and it's gonna be up yours, <laughs> but Vince, it's just a bunch of guys, we gotta give them something, give them two by fours, <laughs> <laughs> Little Sandy ain't getting a treehouse, these guys are gonna come out with two by fours, and it's gonna be fucking over, it's so, like, why, Hacksaw Jim Duggan can't even, I mean, Duggan can get away with having a 2 by 4 for no real reason. You can't just come out with him, though. It's Big Show with a big fucking lollipop stick. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's such a weird thing. I mean, they could have been banded together. As just as the guys who were being fucked over, they didn't have to be called. Yeah. Didn't the, need a lame name like. You can have another stable called the Pinkertons come in now. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> everything. Brilliant. On. The union really fizzles out mm. before you know much happens. They have some encounters with uh, with the corporate ministry, but it's it's just a way of getting something for everyone to do, really, yeah. which is kind of a shame. But I will say one thing though about the union: Tess does get a bit of a rub from the because he's in there with with more established guys and people. I think by test a little more because he's in the union so if the union did one thing that was good It'll it was well, it yeah. was giving tested a bit of that rub so backstage we get Billy Gunn who just for the record you know in every backstage segment Billy Gunn is like walking around going you where's know. X-Pac I need to find X-Pac you know it's uh, so he, he's, he's appeared been doing around, that all night all, all night. night finally gets X-Pac gives him a few punches and then Kane just comes in and is like would you stop breaks it up breaks and it up and he leaves Arrive, break up fight, leave. Billy Gunn, nee, 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 he does like the most brilliant thing where he's literally like just walking out the door and he's half out the door, but then he like turns around and like waves his fist at Kane like, oh, I'm going to get you one day and then just walks off again politely. It's almost as if this is a sense of foreboding and a bad omen for Billy Gunn's big push coming up. 
I don't think the fans are going to buy his big push, guys. <laughs> do, you, do you think that the big push mightn't be a... Might be a, do you think Billy Gunn might Billy Gunn his big push? Let's just wait till King of the Ring. It's time for the main event. The greatest tag match of all time. Yeah, it's yeah. The best tag match of all time. Rock and Austin taking on Triple H and The Undertaker. First of all, Triple H coming out, sadly, to the corporation music and yeah. not to... You know that real awesome generic... the crowd going... I noticed at this point, actually, the Corporation's Titantron, that big video, actually looks like the opening credits for the Corporation sitcom. Like, it has, it'll say Big Boss Man, and it'll have, like, a shot of Boss Man going, like, eh, wearing his shades, and Triple H in China holding hands or whatever. It literally looks like a sitcom opening. It's brilliant. <laughs> You're going to have to splice together a little bit of that action. You Check out better... Vine, we'll put it up there. Yeah. Absolute chaos to start the match. And, I mean, this is the kind of... These kinds of main events, you don't really get much on, on Raw anymore these days, or, or SmackDown for that matter. These are very much the kind of, don't watch WCW or don't change the channel because all your favourites are going to be in this You're big match. You're going to see something you've never seen before. And starting this match, you know that it's going to, these matches never ended clean. No, no one was going to yeah. take, no, no one in this match is going to take a clean loss. And, you know, they were, they were fun for what they were though, which was just, you know, a brawl a bit of a big brawl you know everyone getting their shit in and that's what this is definitely here's an interesting one you've obviously got The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin The Undertaker and now Triple H in there Triple H now the corporate ministry has, has formed Triple H is very much being positioned as the number two heel. Yeah. Do you think you know? Because obviously this is before he's kind of kind of does anything really legitimate. Uh, I would I would argue. Do you think Triple H is the odd man out here? Do you think he's ready to be? Do you buy him as this number two heel? It's been a little quick considering how soon you know it, it wasn't long ago that he joined the corporation. But uh, no, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, because I've always known Triple H as a heel, and I mean the fact that he's actually up the head of the corporation scene right now in wrestling. It just I don't know. It feels natural to me that Triple H should be here. For me, it's like you know he's had an he's had a year as the head of DX, and I think to break away from that, turn your back on all those guys, I think he needed to give some sort of like and you know a real amazing promo, not like an Austin three sixteen, yeah. but when The Rock first turned heel and joined the yeah, nation, I know he gave one of those kind of no shit's going to change. But Triple H just kind of was like, well, basically, I like money, you know. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, I don't right now, I don't know, I don't know what. I, think I, I don't, I don't really buy it at this moment. Mm. It just seems a bit too um, forced. Yeah, it's just kind of like, well, you know, you're the next biggest guy, so you'll be yeah. the next, you'll be the second bad guy by default almost. But who else? I mean, who else can show that slot? Yeah, at least it's not Undertaker and Kane. Exactly, yeah. You don't want that. But I think right here, this is the moment where Triple H was... You know, he's getting involved in creative at this point, which is interesting to note. Oh, really? And, you know, kind of people around him were were noting at this time that he was very much gung-ho. He wanted to be the main event heel. He wanted to be... The, 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 the kind of guy you know the, the Ric Flair the Harley race or whatever yeah. and I think you tell him now he's really trying to you know show that he's he's got something to, to offer I don't know I mean I think it's a while before he really actually shows us anything of that nature for now he just seems like a guy in like why is he wearing those pants? That's all I can think when I'm yeah. watching this. Because someone's got to, basically. True enough. And pretty standard match following the kind of you know, the, the formula, which uh, which uh, which we mentioned at the start. There, you know, it's just kind of all over the place. You know, Craig love Rock and Austin. They make a lot of noise in this match compared to the rest of the night, and we get a lot of run-ins. All the corporate ministry come out, and uh, we also get the union as well. So 
Ring it's, fills up. It's, it's around. We, a couple more. If the announcers and Markeen pop in, we can have ourselves a bit of a Royal Rumble right now. That's, <laughs> that's insane. Isn't yeah, it's it absurd amount of people in the ring. Really hard to follow. It's not like a good brawl though, where it's like, oh my god, there's so much shit going on. It's just sort of like, oh, a bunch of blokes running. Yeah, it's literally just like, oh, everyone's in the ring at the same yeah. time. Okay. And I think as well is the fact that everyone has kind of gotten their hands on everyone before. Yeah, there's no you sort know? of like, oh, they're finally going to get each other. Yeah, it's other. not as if like, oh, Austin finally going to get his hands on, you know, Vince, which is what it was before. Yeah. Austin, I think, is it's a problem with the corporate ministry storyline is that Austin's battles had battled Taker so many times and he had gotten to, you know, I mean, he'd gotten to Shane even like so mm. many times as well. I mean, we get Taker here calling for the Tombstone Piledriver. It was pointed out to me actually that it's kind of difficult to watch any Austin Undertaker encounter knowing that Steve Austin will not and cannot take the Tombstone Piledriver. It's a very ever. good point. Mm. It's a very, very good so point. So straight away, it's like, it kills like so many of the finishes. Yeah. Now, now you've mentioned that actually, that's very, very true. The Rocket Triple H hit battle through the cab. Wait a minute, Shane with a So Vince McMahon uh, appears. So Vince left in disgust, and now he's coming back in disgust. Well, he's so disgusted now, he's got to come back and do something about he's it. He's a disgusting man. Let's just, so Vince comes out. He, it's really weird. Shane is meant to obviously you know, go for a punch. Mm. Vince is meant to block it and then punch Shane back. What happens is Shane decks Vince. Vince no-sells it, and then he potatoes his own son. Not shit out of And Shane is like right on his ass. Taker then kills Vince McMahon with a, with a chair. Hideous um, chair really shot. Really hideous chair shot. You want to talk about a man who was not afraid to take it on the crane? There's Vince McMahon yeah, taking those seriously. chair shots. But more interesting is that he, he takes this chair shot, stopping Austin from getting a chair shot. Yeah, he takes yeah. the silver bullet for uh, Steve Austin. What a great guy. What a great guy. Vince McMahon looking out for Steve Austin. <laughs> then Austin hits the stunner on Taker. Shane jumps Vince. And then Austin stuns Shane. And again, I mean... It's 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 a problem, I suppose. I mean, you looking back, I've said you know, corporate ministry, one of my favorite factions ever. And you're looking back, broad strokes from when I watched as a kid. I'm like, yeah, I loved it because it was over the top, blah, 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 blah. but I mean, on the first night, their first night, Austin, like corporate ministry, get to Vince. You know, they get uh, Austin gets to to Undertaker, he stuns him, and Austin also gets Shane. I mean, if in my mind, Shane's meant to be this like real weasel who's seemingly masterminded this takeover and they're asking questions now wait did was Shane involved in Stephanie being abducted yeah. or how could he stoop this low and he immediately gets his comeuppance Austin's yeah taking Shane out and taking out the top heel from the corporation so it's sort of like yeah well you've you've done it now That's... ends on a happy note but you're kind of as a wrestling fan you're kind of like yeah but what, why am I going to tune in next should week? they not have just ended this show with having the corporate ministry clearing house or something and you know actually put them over as a big faction yeah I mean I, it's funny looking back because at the time I hated them uh, evolution I hated evolution because it was during that period where like Triple H was just seemed to be on the show for like hours and hours mm. on end but looking back now it was one of the best booked factions because they always fucking you know they were it booked took strong ages for them to and when finally someone got to Triple H be it, you know Orton or Batista or whatever it was like shit they fucking did it they finally yeah. you know break through it but corporate ministry is hard to take seriously when on the I first mean, night they get the shit knocked out of them well you know what tune in next week on Monday Night Raw because Steve Austin might do a stunner on Pete Gas, <laughs> <laughs> which I can't wait to see or on Paul Bear you know I'd that like, I'd love to see it's like trying to uh, stunner a yoga ball <laughs> out of the arena so there you go that is the pilot episode of Smackdown done and dusted in the books 
Guys, what are your thoughts on this one? We're not going to do match tonight MVP. Yeah, what are yeah. overall thoughts on it? What a blast. It was actually, you know, despite our complaints, that was a really fun show. I had a great time watching it. I mean, there's a lot of, like, little problems, you know, you, you kind of pick up on stuff. But, I mean, overall, the most Pure important attitude thing, era. I think Russo can, yeah, can, can justify everything because, uh, for one thing, I was not bored once during it. Nope. And, I mean, like, even, like, the, the gangrel brood thing. I mean, entertaining. It, it was it? like it was yeah. entertaining as hell. I mean, yeah, I thought it was a great show, and I thought you know, it's 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 a smart show to do as well because uh, you know they ran through a lot of stuff, got a lot of stuff in, everyone used their time well, and uh, you know it's it's great when you've got the product in a, in a position where you almost have too many storylines. Yeah, we're supposed to now where you can tell they're struggling to got fill two or three going on those three hours. Billy, what do you think of SmackDown? I I, I really like this, but my main major issue with this is it was no because WCW had funded. That was solely it. Like, like it, it doesn't feel any different. Ah, now okay, now this is the thing because obviously you having walked through this aggression and everything, you're used to Raw and SmackDown being very different shows. Yeah. Back in the actual era, SmackDown basically was a continuation of Raw. So really. it's like how it is now. Then it's Raw too. Um, it's, no, it, it's, it was a lot more important than it is now. Back I, in the actual yeah. era, SmackDown. So I'm, just, I'm just used to SmackDown being you know completely different brands. You know, I uh, think SmackDown. Um, I think SmackDown at the, at the time it, it it had its own look, you know the the SmackDown stage and the blue and whatnot, and obviously as well it was network TV, so you wouldn't get the uh, the really edgy shit that would only really be obviously close on on Raw, which was which was on cable. So SmackDown was usually the more kid friendly of the shows. I mean, most people I know growing up, they they were brought up on SmackDown. They used to watch SmackDown. I, I watched almost Sky, exclusively Sky SmackDown. One on on you know Saturday, Saturday mornings, mornings at ten AM or whatever. You get the edited version of SmackDown, and I mean that, that's really what it was. SmackDown, though, in my mind, really did you know help a lot go the long way. I think Thunder killed WCW in many respects, but SmackDown really helped WWE because you got things then like the hardcore division which starts setting up and the tag division which which blows up. But by two thousand, SmackDown becomes this really like it's a show you have to see just as much as Raw. And it's like you were saying as well that it's got to the point where in the Attitude now, era now where they actually have so many storylines it might be quite difficult to cram them all in. So this just gives them a little bit more freedom to actually spread out more stuff and yeah. fit more content in. And this it. is all the stuff they presumably told Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira when they're like, now make another show <laughs> for no extra money. I mean, I think, you know, I, I very rarely have felt as sorry for Vince Russo as hearing him on shoot interviews being told like how they were basically just kind of told, double yeah. your workload, here you go. And here's actually, you know, Here's a really sickening one. He Vince Russo went. Now this is all from Russo's mouth, so I'm completely aware that that might Pinch be, of salt. Said, that might be yeah. him saying that if the following sentence could be complete bullshit. But according to Vince himself, Vince Russo, uh, you know they were doing SmackDown for a little bit, and they were completely burnt out. The two of them, they were running out of ideas. You know they weren't getting any sleep. They were getting back because they have to go to the shows as well as writing yeah. them. So you know they were up till you know two in the morning every night. You know weekends they had to work in the office. And Vince Russo went to McMahon and he said that you're going to have to you know sort me out here, get me some more writers because I'm being burnt out quite a lot here. You know because you know if you're worried about your wife and kids, Russo was like, you know I don't Fuck see my kids you know. anymore. So Vince is like, yeah, get a nanny. And then Russo was like, that was the point I realised I had yeah, to leave. Yeah, enough's enough. I don't know. It's kind of we will have a proper chat about Vince Russo once he leaves, mm. but. 
I can understand. That's sad if that's true. Yeah, I, I would have left as well under those conditions. That's you know, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, if it was a case that it was just raw too, like you know, you, you kind yeah. of mentioned. I mean, SmackDown these days is quite easy to write, isn't it? It's just mm. kind of they just take the storylines and they just like add they don't develop match. them. They just nothing gets developed. Yeah. But on you know SmackDown back in the day, I mean, even here, and we yes. had a lot of storylines. Corporate shifts. ministry debuts. And, you know, yeah. all these face turns, all this big stuff. So there you go. That's gonna do it. That was our review of the pilot episode of SmackDown. I don't know if we're going to review any more episodes of SmackDown. We might review the, the actual season premiere when that comes out. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, that's going to do it for the Attitude Era podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe, go back, download all our other episodes, and you can get all the new episodes the second they go online before I remember to tweet the links. And of course, as well, if you're on iTunes, make sure you can leave a rating or review. That helps us out immeasurably. If you're on SoundCloud, give us a follow, give us a like. Also on Stitcher Radio, you can get all of our episodes go to youtube we are putting up uh, trying to up the ante with our video output get yeah. some more videos up there now yeah, more content online definitely check us out on youtube you can get all our videos there make sure you subscribe callingspots.com if you're in the market for a zine about wrestling articles artwork interviews you got the like reviews reviews it's a great magazine really good i was a big fan before they asked us to take part in this we're presenting issue number seven available now on callingspots.com go check it out there's some great stuff in there including an article from yours truly so check that out callingspots.com and that's going to do it for this episode of the Adam Share Podcast thanks so much for joining us on this Bobo episode it's a ta-ta from me Kevin from me Adam and me Billy and we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era Podcast <laughs> they're laughing yeah, at yeah, you I, I really hope we have enough Leo Kruger fans to understand that And you guys better get it together and change your strategy.